I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What was life like for James Potter, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew at Hogwarts? Welcome to The Marauders, a Hogwarts fan fiction written by us, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today we have a very special episode, something we've never done before. This is a fan fiction episode about the Marauders at Hogwarts. So James and I, we were kind of disappointed that Warner Brothers and HBO Max are not moving forward with the Marauders, but doing a reboot of the Harry Potter series. So we were like, let's write our own Marauders TV series and basically do our own fan fiction for these characters in this world that we love. Anthony, it's just Max. It's Max. Just Max, the one to watch for Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, we... I'm very excited about the reboot of Harry Potter and making the TV series. But The Marauders, it's a no-brainer most-watched TV show of all time if you make it. Or most-watched movie of all time. <laughs> it would like, top Game of Thrones. It would absolutely decimate. It would be the most popular television show in the history of the medium. And I wish they would do it. I'm not sure why they won't. Maybe maybe they'll do it in the future. Who knows? But it seems to be something that's ripe for material. You can mine a lot out of it. And you can get eight to nine seasons of television you have incredible characters that we already know and love, and then you can bring more characters into the mix that are lesser known, and then you can create characters for the world around these main, this main uh, four friends. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I was gonna there. say I was gonna say trio, but I was like, what's the words the quartet? Are, words are hard for Anthony quartet. this morning. There's something going on with his brain today. You should have had another, maybe too much coffee. But <laughs> the Mirage, the great thing about it is you can create so many characters. Going back to Hogwarts, they have so many of the sets, the locations, and. Like you said, so many great characters that we love as well as we're going to go over basically what was going on while the Marauders were active at Hogwarts. I mean, we have potentially, like Anthony said, nine seasons of television. This all takes place in the 1970s, so the Marauders went to Hogwarts in 1971, so you can have 70s culture in there, 70s pop culture, as well as guess who was active in the 1970s and rising to power for the first time? Lord Voldemort. Yes, he was! <laughs> and also, in 1971, guess what he did? He visited Dumbledore at Hogwarts to get that defense against the dark dark arts position, but really to hide a horcrux in the room of requirements. So season one, we're gonna we made like three seasons basically of an outline. Season one, it's really good. Voldemort's going to Hogwarts. Season one. Honestly, while we were making this fan fiction story outline, I was like, I want to watch this. <laughs> this is basically a pitch to Warner Brothers for us to make this show. So if anyone knows anyone at Warner Brothers Studios, send them this episode so that we can we tell them we have three seasons written already. But there are so many characters that we already know and love that would appear in this TV series. So obviously James, Sirius, Lily, and Snape, as well as Peter and Remus will be like the main five characters. But you also have... Well, I would say James, Sirius, Lily, and Snape would be like the leads. Four, the yeah. four leads. The foursome, yeah. Because then Re Remus and Peter would be the main supporting. Because you got to remember, James and Sirius were thick as thieves. They were compared to as Fred and George as so close in separability. So they would be huge main characters. As well as Lily has to be a main character. And Snape has to be a main character. Based exactly. off of popularity. As well as Lily, a character that people would love to see explored in addition to Sirius. Sirius and James. James, we don't know too much about him, just what we learned from Harry and his friends and the people who knew him. But James and Lily are two characters I think people would love to learn more about. And also, yeah, James and Sirius were pals. And then later in um, their first year, then they became friends with Remus. And then Peter was following Remus around. So that's how the four of them got together. So they those two were friends be well before they met and started hanging out with Remus and Peter. And also we have Lucius Malfoy. Who will? Who was also a student at the same time? He was a little bit older. He was a prefect 
and he was in his last two years when the boys and Lily showed up for their first two years. Yeah, so that's really interesting. Lucius Malfoy would be a great kind of antagonist villain to have at Hogwarts. We need some conflict at the school, and Lucius maybe running this ragtag group of wannabe Death Eaters, all worshipping Lord Voldemort, this guy who's on the rise. All their parents know Voldemort probably, and they're Death Eaters possibly, and they're just waiting their turn to get out of Hogwarts and become Death Eaters themselves. And yeah, Lucius is the leader, you can see. This is the time during Voldemort's rise. He he started really rising in the in 70 and then throughout the next decade was really growing in his numbers it was really just whispers and rumors at this time so you can imagine that not everybody knew what the death eaters were or who voldemort was but people were beginning to learn and then the students in hogwarts they weren't like real death eaters but they were wannabe for sure and their parents and and friends of parents were part of um, voldemort's death eater crew someone who also ended up wanting to become a death eater was regulus black Sirius's brother is a year behind him, so he will be a main character and also an antagonist force for mo much of this uh, series of television because he was desperate to become a Death Eater. He really believed in the cause, and it wasn't until after he graduated from Hogwarts, learned about more about Voldemort, where he was like, I want to try and stop him. Then we get the locket sequences. So Regulus would be kind of an antagonist, especially to show the Sirius Black um, storyline and his family. The Black Household, you get Bellatrix in there, you get his mother who hated him. And we can also see the sequence of why his mother actually burned Sirius's face off the wallpaper of that room. Yeah, and the thing with Regulus is he would be a really great and interesting character to grow as a main character throughout the series of the TV show. So we would plan to do this from the years 1971 to 1979, explored nine years of television. The, the Marauders are at Hogwarts from 1971 to 1978. That's when they leave. And then 1979 is a big year because that's the year that the Order of the Phoenix is officially created. That photo that... Uh, is given to Harry, or he's shown by Harry, by Sirius, right, of yeah, the Order of the order. Phoenix. That was taken in 1979. Also, Lily and James are married in 1979, and then Regulus, he dies in the Sea Cave in 1979. So, Regulus would be a great character to explore in R.A.B. and his origins and how he gets enticed by the Dark Arts throughout his time at Hogwarts, and obviously... He's just graduated the year that he dies, so he's already involved with Death Eaters outside of school. So a lot of these Death Eaters, you can see when they're home from Hogwarts, maybe they're getting involved with the Death Eaters. Maybe they're getting involved with Voldemort, specifically Regulus, because Regulus is a very clever wizard and very powerful, I'm sure, because he's in Voldemort's circle, discovering Voldemort's secret of the Horcruxes before anyone else, before Dumbledore. Dumbledore has whispers, and I mean, sure, he's got ideas, but Regulus officially discovering that he's created a Horcrux. I believe that's all he ever discovered is just the one, the locket in the sea cave that he discovers, dying with Creature there in his arms, in Creature's arms, dying in the sea cave would be a great season finale episode potentially or, or ending of of his uh, arc in season, season nine. Well, the final season could be them a couple of years out of Hogwarts and it could, it could eventually end with the event of Voldemort trying to kill Harry after he kills his parents, James and Lily, and the finale could be uh, Dumbledore and crew setting up Harry with the Dursleys. That, that could be the end of this TV series. So you can connect it all the way from the Marauders joining Hogwarts to Harry's survival of the Killing Curse in the that we see in the opening of, Ho of Sorcerer's Stone. The problem with that is it would have to go into another year, because in yeah. 1980 is when they the 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 prophecy is made and they go into hiding. So I personally would think to end it with Lily and James getting married, 
Regulus dying in the sea cave, and then the Order of the Phoenix being photographed, like the ending of the series. And maybe, maybe Lily finding out she's pregnant, and we'll all know it's Harry. Exactly, the baby. something like that. That'd and be then, a sweet ending. Like that'd yeah. be a really good ending because yeah. we don't have to see everything we've already seen before, but to show it, the ending where uh, Sorcerer Stone takes off, basically yes. going into the future. So those are some interesting points to talk about. But I think Regulus would be a super interesting character to explore some other prominent witches and wizards at Hogwarts at this time. Narcissa Black. So Bellatrix is a little older than everybody else. She's already out of school. But Narcissa would be at Hogwarts. Barty Crouch Jr. would also be at Hogwarts. So you can assume he might be on the fence about if he wants to join the Death Eaters. It's something he'd obviously be keeping a secret from his father because mm-hmm. his father never knew he was a Death Eater until that trial of the what the the other guy. The, um, oh, the uh, the Russian wizard. Yes. So in Bart, but Barty was a Slytherin. So you would you could have a whole Slytherin crew of Lucius, Sever Snape, Narcissa, um, and then Barty Crouch and Regulus Black. So you have a whole Slytherin squad, and we're used to that. The Gryffindors versus Slytherins. We got that in the Harry Potter series with our main crew and Malfoy's crew. So you have that same kind of setup of a group of Gryffindors and a group of Slytherins being antagonists for one another. And the thing with this is we would want to do it where. You need constant conflict, but also teenage drama. We're at school, but having these two kind of rivalry gangs. We have the Marauders, including Lily at times, and even Severus working with the Marauders at times, which we'll get into more of because Lily and Severus are such good friends until year five when they end their friendship because Severus calls her a mudblood. But then, like, the Marauders versus the Death Eaters rivalries against each other at Hogwarts throughout their entire time as they're both growing in strength and powers and abilities. You know, they're marauders, as they're described, including Lily, are the most clever witches and wizards at the school at the time, but then dealing with the power and the rise of the Death Eaters and the wannabe Death Eaters gangs. It'd be fun just to have these two clashing all the time. And on top of students, excuse me, there are some professors that we know and love. Albus Dumbledore is headmaster at this time as well. Professor McGonagall is a professor there at the time, so Minerva would be a character. And Professor Slughorn, Dumbledore grabs him in Half-Blood Prince and entices him back to Hogwarts, but he was a professor there who's potions master there for a long time, so he would actually be the potions master during this tenure at school. And this is the year, 1971, Tom Riddle visits the school. He curses the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. So this is the beginning of every year has a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. No one can maintain that job for more than one year. So this is where that tradition begins. And the thing with Albus and Dumbledore, it's, I believe he's only been headmaster for like three years up until this point. So if season one starts in 1971, which is how we would do it, and we'll get into more details about what our seasons would look like. So season one, 1971, the kid's coming to school. Dumbledore's been headmaster for a little while. And him and his relationship with the kids wouldn't be very strong at first. I feel like Dumbledore would obviously know of James Potter. They're both from the same area. They're both old wizard families, old blood. They all kind of know each other. Obviously, a relationship forms over time, but not immediately. It wouldn't be like with Harry that he yeah. knows him very well. But eventually, by the last couple of years of because James— Because they're from the same neighborhood. Yes, they're from they're, the same neighborhood. Yeah, Godric's neighborhood. So later on in the series, maybe seasons five, six, seven— when Harry and the Marauders are like saving, solving mysteries at the school and at Hogsmeade, which we are so excited to talk about. And obviously, he develops a relationship with Dumbledore because Dumbledore borrows his invisibility cloak. Later on, after he's out of school, he knows of the Peverils, and I'm sure he knows of the invisibility cloak. So with Dumbledore, we can explore the Deathly Hollows. Not specifically Horcruxes with him, but the Deathly Hollows because this is the time when Dumbledore 
is curious about the hollow still, something he's been trying to figure out and solve his entire life is discovering all of the hollows, knowing that James and the Peverells have this invisibility cloak he probably discovers at some point. Maybe he figures it out with James sneaking around so often. He wants to examine that cloak later on, which is why Potter, James Potter doesn't have the cloak when he's killed by Voldemort is because Dumbledore has it, because he's examining it. So maybe... Dumbledore exploring the Deathly Hollows. So you get you can have a sequence where Dumbledore Dumbledore discovers the kids using the invisibility cloak and he's so enamored by this cloak because it's not like the normal ones this is a special one. It's very unique. And so this is gains his curiosity like what is this? Oh, is this a Deathly Hollow? So you have that whole sequence that you can throw in to a couple of seasons of the show. But then also with Tom Riddle and Voldemort, he's recently becoming publicly known as Voldemort. But you can also see Voldemort creating some of his horcruxes and so he created a couple while at school and then a couple in his young adult years so we can definitely see him creating a couple of horcruxes and even finding a couple of the trinkets because remember he was just still fresh out of school only a couple of years so he might not have all seven horcruxes by now so we can actually revisit some what do you mean Voldemort yeah what do you mean fresh out of school like, only a few years out of school. No, he went to school in the 1940s. 40s? Yeah, okay. he's old. Like, you gotta, witches bad. and yeah. wizards are old. They like, age Like, slowly. McGonagall, yeah. in the series, she's in her 70s. In the Harry Potter movies, Dumbledore's in his over 100. When, what, so, but maybe we could squeeze in a couple of Horcruxes being created during this show. It's possible, but yeah. I, I gotta, I wonder when he made them all. That's, that's, the, what that's the thing. Yeah, I don't think I could find any dates of specifically I, when he made them. I'm pretty sure that up until this point, he's already made them all. Probably. Except for maybe Nagini. Nagini's probably the last Horcrux that he makes. Oh, I've, oh you know, obviously ha Harry by accident. So, Harry is the so last Nagini, Horcrux. Nagini, then Harry are yeah. probably the last couple of Horcruxes. The locket might have been the last one. It's possible. No, because yeah. the locket, I, I'm trying to remember in, in the book, in the Half Blood Prince of the Memories, because he gets the uh, Helga Hufflepuff's uh, cup. Yep. Uh, when he's at Borgen and Burke, when he's ex so, I, I believe he he discovers and he finds takes the he takes the Hufflepuff cup from the woman who owns the yeah, yeah. at her house. So I'm talking yeah. about the time when he's working at Borgen yeah. and Burke is when he's discovering all the artifacts, as well as probably when he's abroad in Romania. So, I think that by this time between the years, so he probably graduated Hogwarts around the late 1940s. He's got 30 years to do all that. You but know? what we get to see though is Dumbledore mentions to him in this meeting. So Voldemort comes to Hogwarts, meets with Dumbledore. This is his, his motivation is actually hiding the diadem inside of the Room of Requirement. But Dumbledore does mention that he knows that Voldemort's been experimenting with new magic. So we can see probably in Romania, in the forests of Romania, he might have a following. He might have a small army. And he might, we can see him pushing the boundaries of magic and trying to discover new magic while still growing his power. So we get, we can have a lot of interesting sequences of Voldemort in his early rise. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to have that as a main kind of cross-cutting character. Maybe not season one or two, but maybe as he's getting more powerful. Because if you're having a main villain like that, they he has to interact somehow and eventually with the main characters, with yes. the Marauders. And then obviously with Dumbledore at some point, potentially. But I feel like... We'd have to connect that somehow to the Marauders. We did. We'll, we'll get to it in season one. Yes, we did. Not He's not specifically connected, but he is uh, a goal for the villain. And it'd be interesting just to see his rise to power, him taking over the Ministry of Magic again and taking over wizards and witches and imperiousing everyone and just taking over the world slowly. 
but from the perspective of him not completely being that snake-like being, even though at this point he does have snake-like features. He looks less human. He's more gaunt. He doesn't have the, the handsome face and appearance that he used to have when he was Tom Riddle, so he does look less human now. It would be interesting to eventually have Voldemort come in as a main player in the show. And it could be opposite Dumbledore rather than opposite the kids more so. You know what I mean? In a way, like Dumbledore building his army, building the Order of the Phoenix. Trying to fight back against this rise. Those things like trying to have Dumbledore recruit other magical witches and and creatures and wizards like the the giants, maybe with the, the trolls somehow, and the... What are the things that live in the Forbidden Forest? The, uh, the spiders? Not the spiders. <laughs> like, the centaurs? Uh, the centaurs, yes. Uh-huh. The centaurs. I knew that's what you were thinking yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, lots of, lots of new myth- uh, magical words. We also, ha- Hagrid should be here as well. Hagrid, I, so. I'm not sure if he was Gamekeeper now, but. Look it up, look up if he was Gamekeeper yeah. because Argus Filch became caretaker of Hogwarts in the late 1960s. So Argus Filch will be a main character in the show. And Mrs. Norris we can put in there too because she's a magical cat. We can have her live to be like 100, so why not? So have Argus Filch coming into Hogwarts as well, be at Hogwarts as well as Mrs. Norris. And also some other things going on. The Slug Club happens here. So Professor Slughorn, Potions Master, head of Slytherin House at the time, he has his Slug Club. And guess who's in the Slug Club Lily and Snape are both members. Obviously, Lily, we learn about in the Half-Blood Prince, was one of Professor Slughorn's favorite students. And we even have that story of when Harry's getting the memory from Slughorn about the memory of the Horcrux questions being asked by Tom Riddle in his youth of Slughorn that he obviously altered so that no one could see the memory for real. And he confesses to Harry that one day he came down to his classroom and there's that little, what was it, a little gold, uh, a fishbowl, and there was a lily, a beautiful piece of magic happened, and a, a fish appeared. And it was a lily, which was obviously a gift from Lily, so maybe we can even have Lily show her giving that to Slughorn and making that little gift for Slughorn on her desk. I think that would be a great sequence, like season three or four. Absolutely. Hagrid, I couldn't, I can't find anything about him being at Hogwarts during this tenure. We could put him in there. But we could throw him in there. Yeah. But he was heavily involved in the Wizarding War, the first Wizarding War, so he, it makes sense for Albus to put him there as the gamekeeper when he's much younger. Yeah, and again, Anthony said, new defense against the dark arts teacher every year, which means we can have great eclectic castings and characters every season of the show for new positions. Because, like Anthony said, Voldemort cursed the position, and they haven't been able to fill it since. And that's a recurring theme for like 40 years, or 30 years going into the 1990s when the other kids are at school. So we can have dark characters come in, we can have bumbling buffoons like Gilderoy Lockhart come in, who actually eventually comes to Hogwarts in 1975 as a character, so 1975, Gilderoy's coming to school, and we can have him as a fun like cameo character here and there, but the opportunity to have great characters for the Defense Against the Dark Arts position every season is a great strength to this show. And also, the Whomping Willow will be planted in the first season of this show, so the Whomping Willow was planted for Remus Lupin by Dumbledore, so we're going to be able to see the Whomping Willow in this entire series as well. And we're also going to have lots of opportunity to create lots of other students and characters, antagonists, villains, and friends. There's actually a couple of friends that the Marauders had in school. We found uh, Patricia Rakepick. She's a, she's a, she would be a Hufflepuff. And in the Marauders Hogwarts years, she was often affiliated with them and would often share adventures with them. She also shared their dislike for Snape. And she also 
Patricia was aware of the Marauders rap, M- Marauders map. This they is have can- a rap is- song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yo, well, yo, yo, yo! The Marauders, Marauders rap. rap. <laughs> <laughs> That's Michael Scott vibes. So she must have been very close with them for them to reveal the map to her. Also at Hogwarts, Kingsley Shacklebolt is at Hogwarts. He was in Gryffindor House, but I think with this show, obviously he's going to be in it for sure. But I would love to incorporate characters from different houses besides Slytherin and Gryffindor as main players and main companions for specific things. Now, I think we could take a lot from Hogwarts Legacy in terms of, excuse me, having great characters from Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff and even other houses that help help the Marauders, help Lily, help Snape here and there, solving mysteries if they need someone that's great at arithmancy or they need someone that's great at specific charms or spells. Maybe that person is a a frequent collaborator in mischief with them from House Hufflepuff, from Ravenclaw. I said that like Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) But I think to have, because so many people, you're in Ravenclaw. Oh, yeah. There are plenty of people in Ravenclaw that love Ravenclaw. Plenty of people in Hufflepuff that love Hufflepuff, and really, all the Hufflepuffs ever got was Cedric Diggory, and he met his doom by the end of the movie. My boy! (laughs) (laughs) So, I think incorporating great characters from other houses as main companions and characters in the plots is really important to this, because that's something that we didn't really get in the movies, and really the books either. I guess Cho Chang would be a main player for the movies, but she's really Goblet of Fire, that's it, and then Order of the Phoenix, kind of that's all Cho it's Chang mostly really is. But yeah. it's mostly Gryffindors and Slytherin for yeah. the plots of the movies. Obviously, it would be the main plots of the show, Slytherins and Gryffindors, but let's get some Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws in there too so we can create characters, original characters from these houses to help the Marauders, to help the Marauders, I'm saying <laughs> the Boston accent's coming out, the Marauders as well as Lily to solve mysteries, as well as Snape and everything. Well, Lily, you got to remember, was told, um, we were told multiple times in the books, she was the brightest witch of her age. So she's the smartest and most capable witch in Hogwarts. So she's going to have to be instrumental for solving lots of these mysteries, um, going on these adventures with the Marauders. So it wouldn't just be the Marauders. Lily Potter would, I mean, Lily. That's why I keep saying and Lily, <laughs> yeah. the Marauders and Lily. Yeah, Marauders and Lily would have a major part to play. Kind of like, kind of like a Hermione-like character, but also she... She might be the most talented witch out of all of them. James was very talented as well, but she's the most intelligent by far. Yeah, so all the books always say that Lily, James, Severus, and Sirius were the most clever witches and wizards at school at the time of their years. So the four of them, they have to show extreme promises as, as with their magical because, abilities. Because Severus especially, he was actually famous. He was well-known amongst his peers for creating spells. And obviously we get the spell book in Half-Blood Prince. We learned that he was a Half-Blood, he, he called himself the Half-Blood Potions Prince. Potions book, bro. Potions book, that was his moniker for himself. And so Sectum Sepra wasn't the only spell he created. He discovered and created many spells. So he was extremely talented. Levy Corpus is one of the spells that he created and discovered, which became like a fad spell. Like I remember in the books, Remus talks about yes, Harry. Yeah. How, like spells come and go. They're like, it's like uh, jargon or, or, or words, you know, that ironically, that's how James bullies him in the memory by doing Levy Corpus of um, hanging him upside down and embarrassing him in front of everyone. Exactly. So I think with Lily and the Marauders, obviously they're in house Gryffindor. Gryffindor House. <laughs> Game House of Stark. <laughs> House of the North. <laughs> so I feel like every time the Marauders are going to go on an adventure to cause mayhem, to solve a mystery, to get up to no good, Lily's kind of in the corner of the room, following them around, making sure they don't do anything too crazy, sort of 
accompanying them in a lot of these situations. If you two don't mind. <laughs> yeah, so I think she's got to be like a, a Hermione char character. And she's got to be, be a main lead, and she's got to be involved with pretty much everything they're doing to an extent. Absolutely. Or preventing them from getting in too much trouble. Kind of like the parents of the group in a lot of ways, but also helping solve a lot of the mysteries. Because the show, every season, we don't have Voldemort as the main villain for against the Marauders. So what are we going to do? We're going to make conflicts in Hogwarts, in Hogsmeade, around the Wizarding World, around the school, mysteries at school, mysteries at Hogsmeade, mystery villains that need to be stopped in the Marauders. But even other students. Yes. But the Marauders and Lily and Severus at times, solving these mysteries together at the end of each season, basically. How about we start with the first season? Let's do it, man. Yeah, let's, let's go into it. Let's go to 1971. <laughs> this is going to be great. Well, let's first talk about things, major events in 1971. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, they go to school. Hogwarts Express, this is where James and Sirius meet, but they're also sharing a, comp a compartment with Lily and Snape. And remember, Lily and Snape are already friends. They grew up in the same neighborhood, which was a muggle neighborhood. And that's where Snape spied on Lily and discovered that she had magical abilities, unlike her sister Petunia. They became close friends from the age of 9 to 11 when they both go to school. Unfortunately for Snape, Lily gets put in Gryffindor and Snape gets put in Slytherin, obviously. So this show can open with a bunch of great um, openings for each of these main characters. Lily with her sister and her parents, so she's dealing with Petunia's jealousy. That could be like her opening. And then Snape obviously having a huge crush on Lily, but James... Sirius, so, so with Sirius, we can see how um, difficult his household is for him and how much he's hated by both his cousin and his mother. Um, and Regulus is probably on their side as well. So the Sirius's, Sirius Black's home is a, a tough place for him to be, very much like the like Harry Potter with the Dursley's home. James Potter, we don't know much about his home, but we do know he probably had a very um, good upbringing and, yeah. and a, a quiet, nice home. So his parents... Um, in Godric's Hollow, we get this. We can probably assume that Dumbledore knows the Potters very well as family friends. They're descended from the Peverells, so he's probably already known Dumbledore in some capacity from the neighborhood. Maybe his parents bring him over to Dumbledore's house like once every year for like dinner or something. So maybe he, babysits James. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very safe. <laughs> Uncle Dumbledore. Yeah, it's it's safe to assume that James Potter already knows Dumbledore as opposed to him being this kind of like Oz-like figure to every student when they first get to Hogwarts. Oh, it's Dumbledore. He probably already has a relationship with Dumbledore in some capacity. Yeah, that's, that's a smart smart thing to do, but they're not close. No, yeah, you know? obviously. They're just so like, he's a kid. They're family friends. Yeah. Like, their families know they each go to, other. They go to Dumbledore's house for barbecues. And so James has a happy upbringing. You know, he's the only child, though. He doesn't have any brothers or sisters. And then Sirius, obviously, like Anthony said, oh, no, so going up to Remus, Remus had gotten bit by Fenrir Greyback when he was nine years old. So that's when he became a werewolf. So we can talk about and explore his home life, his parents dealing with the affliction of him being a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, and 11-year-old werewolf going to school. Yeah, maybe the parents are extremely worried, um, but Dumbledore has assured them that he's going to take care of Remus and make sure everything's okay. So I, I, we, would op we should open up with Dumbledore at Remus's house. That's a good opening, yeah. Or McGonagall at Remus's yeah, house. So one of the professors assuring the Lupins that your, your son's going to be okay. Well, we have this under control. We want him to still, we want him to go to school and have a normal life. So we're going to make sure that he's safe and that nobody comes to harm when he has his um, outbreaks as a werewolf. So that's something that we can just throw into Remus's opening scene as well. Explaining the Whomping Willow would be yeah. planted there. That's I mean, having Dumbledore yeah. there would be pretty cool. Yeah, That'd why be a good not? opening. Why not? I feel like he would be there for that. 
I feel like he would be it's there. It's his plan to do the Whomping Willow, And then yeah. Peter Pettigrew, you can only imagine what his household was like, so we can create something pretty... So he needs to be someone who is desperate to be welcomed, so his home... Broken he, home. He, he needs to be a broken home, and he needs to be a child who is has kind of been disillusioned and, in a way, abused by his parents Neglected, and family. Neglected, for sure. Because that's why he's so desperate and clings on to the Death Eaters and then Voldemort out of fear, but he's also so desperate to follow the Marauders around. He wasn't so much part of the crew as he was just kind of always there he was part of the crew but like peter was always like it was the three of them and then peter is the best way to look at it they didn't really look at him as like an equal but he was a, a loyal friend at the time yeah he wasn't close to them when it comes to intelligence and magical abilities but the thing with peter because we all know that he eventually turns and betrays his friends he was their great friend for sure However, we have to show that his loyalties could easily be swayed depending on who has the most power. So I think for him, it's he's he's obsessed with clinging to people who are powerful. So we can show him going back and forth between being maybe enticed by the Death Eaters secretly in, in terms of what he they're doing. He might even aid Lucius a couple of times. Yeah, I think that would protection. be a smart thing to do yeah. to show him. Because Lucius will be sixth year when the kids get in there. Fifth year. Fifth year. So he'll be much older and he'll be a leader of the Death Eater crew, of the Death Eater kids. And so they'll probably go to Peter to try and get information or try to get something on the Marauders. So episode one, showing them at their homes, all the main characters, and then getting them onto the Hogwarts Express. And this is important because episode one, Hogwarts Express, Sirius and James meet for the first time. They walk and sit into the same compartment together. And then also who's in that same train compartment is Lily and Snape. And this is where the four of them all officially meet. Again, Snape and Lily already know each other. They're already friends. But this is where James and Sirius and Snape have their first dispute where they're talking about what that best house is at Hogwarts. And obviously Snape thinks Slytherin is the best. And obviously James thinks Gryffindor is the best. And even I'm sure we could put something in there where James and Sirius, their family, they've heard of their other's families. They've heard of the Blacks. The Potters know who the Blacks are. They're this dark dark wizard family. And then the, the Blacks know of the Potters. So... I bet you as soon as James found out that Sirius was a black, he's like, oh, you're a black? I shouldn't be talking to you. But then, Yeah, the family rivalry already. But then yeah. he obviously realized that Sirius isn't really a black. He wants to be a Gryffindor. And so this is where their first fight and first like dispute with Snape comes from is arguing over the best house. And then also you can throw in Snape was hoping that Lily would be put in Slytherin house. That was his hope and desire. And when she was sorted into Gryffindor, he was extremely disappointed because it meant that they were going to spend much less time together than they could have. So it was a, you can show that Snape was maybe hoping, maybe trying to convince Lily because she was pretty un, Lily's unaware. She's a fish out of water. She doesn't really know much about the history of wizards, so she doesn't understand the houses really. So he might have been also he might have been enticing her and talking to her about Slytherin before the train sequence. Like, Slytherin's the best when they're hanging out in the park and in their neighborhood, like, saying he wants to be in Slytherin, she should be in Slytherin too. She might already have an affectation towards Slytherin, unawares that it's actually not the right house for her. It's unfortunate for Snape because he's got this huge crush on Lily, they're friends, and they get put in different houses. So we have to show that struggle for Snape where he's going through with Lily being put in Gryffindor, meaning obviously they'll stay friends and they stay friends until year five, but then eventually... They don't be. They don't stay friends. So since Lily's in Gryffindor and he's in Slytherin, they don't spend a lot of time together outside of classes. Just and, a couple of dormitories. Yeah, walking the hallways. So yeah, together. hallways yeah. and then weekends and nights. I'm sure they get. They see each other plenty. Yeah. But we also have to show Snape making other friends with the Slytherins because 
basically Slytherins are only friends with Slytherins in, in Hogwarts. Yeah, they, they pretty much stay in their own little bubble and their clique. And this will lead to eventually Snape, I'm sure, being enticed by the Dark Arts, being enticed by these wannabe Death Eaters. And, probably and Lucius the- will be, like, when he gets into Slytherin common room, Lucius will be like, the, even though he's not the oldest, he's probably the leader of Slytherins. And I think that with the Death Eaters specifically, it's a great opportunity to show peer pressure because this is going to be a teen show, a teen drama. We have to show teen elements of life, you know. We can show things that they never do in the movies like partying, maybe some more of hookup culture and dating and, and relationships and breakups and making out in, in the rumor of requirement snogging. or something like that. Snogging often, but also teen drama and something specifically with peer pressure Maybe not having drugs, because I don't think Warner Brothers would want us to explore magical drugs and herbs, even though they would have some lit-ass drugs, for sure. But exploring peer pressure in the form of the dark arts, being peer pressured into maybe using dark spells on other students or creatures and being enticed by that. So the peer pressure maybe is what eventually convinces Snape to want to become a Death Eater, as well as his broken home as well, because he's got just his mother. It's not, and it's on top of that, the bullying he receives from James and Sirius, who often bully him and gang up on him, that is also something that causes him to turn against the light and to embrace the darkness of the Death Eaters. The bullying is something that we we have to figure a way to work around because, of course, James is known for being highly arrogant and a bully to specifically Severus. And other kids at school. That's the thing, James, Harry's a much better human being than James was in a lot of ways. But also, James was great, but I would say James had some problems. He did have problems. So he's got this bullying problem. And Sirius, he's a bully too, but but James is more of the leader of the crew and the bullying. And bullying kids around school and hexing kids and hexing Snape and everything and them going back and forth. So we have to make James a little more likable and more empathetic. So maybe we figure out a way to tone down the bullying to an extent. So it's still there, but maybe showing why he's doing it. Maybe we focus it only on him doing it to Slytherins that are wronging him or wronging other kids at school. It could be more of a back and forth with him and Snape. So well, Snape, that, that yeah. occurs too, but yeah. we have to show he was a bully. We yeah. can't deny that. So maybe make it make him more likable because the books always portray him as a dick at school yeah. until he gets older you know when he's sixth year that's when he starts to wisen up and starts to realize that like i've, I've been a jerk i i really like lily lily Evans. changes him exactly yeah. so he, he has to be a jerk to an extent but also we have to make him likable at the same time and on top of that there is kind of like a rivalry and tension between him and lily uh because lily is snape's best friend and so she would be against she's kind, she's a kind of against james for much of the early years because of how he treats Severus. So even though they're in the same house and even though they're going on these adventures together and she's going to be part of the Marauders when they solve their mysteries, there is going to be a tension between the two of them that will, over the course of the next few years, grow into uh, a relationship. Obviously, we all know. But it's not going to start out well, and it's going to start out with them kind of hating. Like, she's kind, she kind of hates him in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But so she's, we, she has to police the Marauders because they're always exactly. getting up and it's no yeah. good and they're always getting She doesn't points. want to lose the House Cup. Yeah, they're taking yeah. away points from the House Cup every week. They're getting into trouble because the Marauders, the Marauders are always described as seldom spending a night in the dormitory, basically, just always getting up to no good. And also, they have more knowledge of the castle than anybody, and that's how they're eventually able to make the Marauders map, which we'll eventually talk about in a little bit. Now, let's get to our, our main conflict idea. For the first season. Well, hold on. There's a couple other things All about right. season one. So, Whomping Willow being planted for sure. Quidditch. Gryffindor wins the Quidditch Cup in season one, but also James 
is on the team his first year. Now, the movies have James as a seeker. However, James was actually a chaser. So we can have James being a first-year starter chaser on the Quidditch team. You won't make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. <laughs> <laughs> now, Anthony can get into the main plot. So... Again, like we said, Voldemort's rising, but he's not going to be involved in the conflicts of these kids at school. However, for each season, we think there's a lot of opportunity for having really interesting conflicts, villains, and mysteries that the crew has to solve. So the no-brainer for the first season has to be the mystery of the werewolf or this monster. And so we have this idea of there could be these stories every month of an animal getting attacked by a monster on the Hogwarts grounds or someone in Hogsmeade getting attacked. And this will ultimately be Remus having problems with when he turns into a werewolf being controlled. Obviously, this is why they plant the Whopping Willow that leads with the tunnel into the Shrieking Shack. But even though it's not really how it goes in the books, to create the conflict of this series, you can have the werewolf situation working badly of him affecting the world around him by with attacks. And so... It could be this mystery of the kids are trying to solve what is this monster that keeps attacking people and animals while Remus is trying to keep it hidden that he's a werewolf. He doesn't want anybody to know. So we have a great conflict and a mystery for the kids to solve. What if there's also another werewolf operating around Hogsmeade that's people eventually, maybe Remus is worried people are going to think it's him. Yeah, because that's potential. Because Remus with the Shrieking Shack is where he goes to have his transformations and we can have the mystery of the Shrieking Shack up the this you, haunted- here's, here's how you do it. Lucius maybe is setting him free. It's possible. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. But also the haunting of the Shrieking Shack has to start here because the Shrieking Shack wasn't a haunted place, but eventually becomes the most haunted dwelling in Britain because of the howling and the screaming that comes from it every full moon, basically. But no one's really putting these things together. But the mystery of this potential monster or werewolf is something that the boys and Lily eventually have to solve. Now, Snape doesn't discover this yet because Snape eventually learns of Lupin being a werewolf later on when Sirius plays that trick on him. So that would be maybe... Mid-years? No, like maybe like season three or four. So this is something that Snape doesn't discover until yeah, later on. Yeah. Because this isn't until their anime guy that Snape goes to find out. Like, this is where Sirius tells him, like, go and discover, like, in the Shrieking Shack. All you have to do is press this button underneath the tree. And that's when James saves Snape. So that happens later on in the series. And then it, it works because the kids, James and Sirius, weren't, like, great friends with Remus and Peter right away. So there can be a little bit of a distance between them, and then the first season can be the Marauders really coming together by the end of the season. So it makes sense, and also Remus is trying to hide that he is a werewolf, so then he wouldn't be in, really be involved in like the kids trying to solve the mystery. He might be avoiding it. And maybe even the kids at this point, for the most of the first season, aren't really that great friends with Remus. He's a little odd. He's often He often looks sickly, and he seems to be keeping secrets and hiding things from people. So he's a loner. He's a loner, so... It makes sense that the Sirius, James, and Lily could be the ones trying to solve the mystery of the werewolf without Remus and Peter really understanding what they're doing. And then by the end of the season, that's where the friendship between the five of them really becomes solid. In the canon, well, not not Lily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L Lily's friends with Remus for sure because we have that great line in Prisoner of Azkaban where Remus says, "Your mother was there for a time at a time when no others were, few others were." So, I think Lily has to discover the secret. She figures it out. Yeah. You know, she knows that Remus is a werewolf, but I think maybe she's trying to protect Remus at the same time so we can show a friendship between Remus and Lily because they're all in Gryffindor still. And I think with 
with Remus. Oh, what was I about to say? So with the wit hon. What what were we just saying before I said that? You're on a roll. I don't. Um, I, was, I was talking about well, Lily and Remus, Lily. and then Remus being a loner, Lily and the Remus. kids not really being friends with him until the end of the season. I forgot what I was gonna say. God damn it! Hold no, on. No worries. But I think it would be interesting. You can get around because we don't want Remus to be like out of control because it wouldn't make sense for Dumbledore to set it up and not be secure in the Shrieking Shack. Well, so- that's the thing. I I feel like there has to be another werewolf operating around. It's either that or Lucius could be letting the werewolf out. Okay. That makes but, sense. But, but there's no canon specifically of Remus getting out, but we can change canon because we are going to change canon in the season because yes. this is what I was going to say. So the boys discover that Remus is a werewolf according to the canon in 1972 in year two. However, we're going to change it to the finale of season one. We're going to speed things up with in terms of big moments with the Marauders because we got to get the show rolling, you yeah, know? Yeah, we got to... Yeah, so they... And actually, they all end up finally becoming anime guy by year four. But sooner we're, than we're, that. Sooner, but we're going to make it much sooner than that. Okay, yeah. So the finale basically is going to be the boys seeing Remus being taken to the Whomping Willow by Madame Pomfrey and being curious, then sneaking to the Shrieking Shack, using the Invisibility Cloak. The Invisibility Cloak is going to be used very often in the oh, yeah. show. And then Remus turning in front of them, and they eventually subdue him. But this would be like a great horror finale. Obviously, Lily's going to be there as well. And he turns human again. But my guess, what would be cool is that Lily protects Remus, knowing that it's Remus, the werewolf, when the kids were maybe going to kill him. Yes, that's actually and a good. So idea. Lily stops them from killing him, saying it's it's Remus, and then he eventually turns back to human form. So Lily, I think it would be good if she saves Remus, where the boys were trying to be heroic, the boys were trying to kill this monster to become heroes. But Lily's like, you're you're mis- you're wrong. This isn't what you think it is. That's actually a good idea. It's a really good idea. You so, hearing you hearing Warner Brothers? You listening? <laughs> Listen, to Warner Brothers. So Lily's gonna save Remus and yes. prevent the boys from harming him, and then Remus turns back into human when the moon goes away, and they all discover like you're a werewolf. And then Lily can be like, yeah, wasn't it obvious? Disappears every full moon, you dummies. <laughs> <laughs> so something like that would be like the finale mm-hmm. of their story, but also. I wonder if we end season one with Voldemort visiting Dumbledore or do that like midway through the season. I would like to see it midway. It would be a fun thing to see him actually going into the room of requirement and then just seeing where he places the diadem. That would be season that would be awesome. one. Voldemort's coming yeah. to Hogwarts. That's so cool. Yeah, be, and maybe even the kids run into him, maybe. Like in the hallway, like they're they're chatting and they're walking and talking and they bump into him around a corner, kind of like the kids <laughs> do with Snape a couple of times. Imagine if they'd bump into Tom Riddle and he's like, he says a couple of lines with them. So it could be like when early see early years with the kids and Snape. And like he looks at James. Yeah. James looks at him. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm going to kill you, bro. I'm going to kill you in 10 years. I mean, that's fascinating. That would be, be really cool. So that that's basically the, the season one arc that we have. But so- it ends with the train ride home. Yeah, train ride home. Yeah. But... I'm season not going one. home. Not, not really. really. <laughs> <laughs> season one, Mystery of the Werewolf. And then speeding up the Sign reveal of Remus being a werewolf. I want to watch it. It'd be awesome. It would be It would be excellent. But it gets better with season two, guys. <laughs> now let's take a break really quick and let everybody know how to support Raiders of Lost Podcast. So you can either become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. It's a subscription-based form of support. Every single member of Patreon has access to two weekly bonus episodes of the show. So join today at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. Leave those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. They're really important for us to get seen and discovered by new listeners 
on all of the platforms. They really help the show grow. You can also help us grow by sharing us with your family members and friends. It's the best way for a podcast to grow is word of mouth. Send this episode to any Harry Potter fans, Wizarding World fans you have. Let them know that we came up with some cool ideas for the Marauders, which is something that should get made into a show or movie. So, again, thank you so much for supporting our show. This episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library as well as so many options for the Harry Potter franchise. So if you want to decorate your home with some Harry Potter stuff or get a Harry Potter poster for the movie lover in your life, be sure to use our promo code at MoviePosters.com, Raiders10. That'll get you 10% off your order right now. So season two, let's get into of the Marauders. Sorry, your name tag, your, your tag is showing. What tag? On the back. On the back? So yeah, yeah. Oh. It looks, yeah. Sorry, thanks. Much better, Just yeah. tell me next time. I didn't want to interrupt you. We were on a roll. It's a podcast, bro. Right, you right. can say, hey, man, your tag's sticking out. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'll fix it. <laughs> it's a two-hour episode. No, I ruined it. <laughs> I'm going to edit it out now. No big deal. So season two, we have some. We have a great new plot as well as the kids obviously know now that Remus is a werewolf. And maybe Sirius or James over the summer have decided, you know, with correspondence that we're going to figure out how to become anime guy, which is going to be a very difficult task. Now, in the books and the lore, it takes them three years to figure this out, and they don't do it until, I believe, year five? Year five. But so it takes – some of them are faster than others. By year five, all of them can do it. Peter was probably the last one. He needed the most help. Yeah, but the, I'm guessing maybe um, James was the first one to be able to do it. So what we could do is we open with Sirius and James. Sirius is at home. His family sucks. They're being like the Dursleys. And so he <laughs> he runs away from home and goes to the Potter's house in Godric's Hollow to spend a few weeks there before Hogwarts. And this could be where he is trying to figure out where James is trying to become anime guy, but he keeps failing. Well, he's reading about yeah. it because he can't perform magic. So yet. he and Sirius are trying to figure it out for James to do. You know, so that's something we can do every opening of every season is just like Harry used to always go to the Weasleys before school started, have Sirius go to the Potter's before school starts. And eventually... Six years when he officially leaves his home and starts to live with the Potters full time. And then with Lily and Snape, same neighborhood as well. So they'll be spending summer breaks together so we can have a sequence with them opening this season as well. And so we'll also be going back to school, of course. And Voldemort's rise will be go going up more and more. So Rumblings. every season... Every season, his rise to power will get more powerful, more scary. And it'll eventually feel like the movie series where... Movie four, five, six, seven, you're really feeling the weight of Voldemort and the Death Eaters in the world. So more rumblings of news about him, clippings from the, the Daily Prophet. Maybe even Snape sees with the adults, with his parents, or with other parents in, in the area, maybe he listens in on a meeting between Death Eaters. That's, it's possible, that's yeah. possible. It's possible. And so Snape will start to be enticed by this Death Eater gang at school for sure while he's there. We have a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher for sure because it's a new year, whoever was in the our oh, idea was oh, yeah. the, Our idea was that the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher was, in the first year, was a Gildery Lockhart type that thought that they could take on the werewolf but ends up failing miserably. Yeah. And then they're horrified and never want to return to the position again. So now we have a new one. Okay, so yeah, we forgot to bring that up in season one. So maybe the boys, they don't follow... They don't follow Remus, but they see the professor yes. going to solve yeah. the mystery of the werewolf. Exactly. Like a, a professor it's very much like Gilderoy and Chamber. A professor who overestimates their abilities. 
And so that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So that's where the, they get into trouble with the werewolf. So we have a new Dada teacher coming in. we got to figure out who that's going to be. And Snape begins to also hide his ambitions of being a Death Eater from Lily, keeping secrets from her. But again, he's starting to become closer with his Slytherin friends. And I think this is a time where Lucius is, is in his last year. I think so, yeah. This is his seventh year. Lucius, in our mind, is going to be the main antagonist of this season. We'll get to why more specifically in a little bit. But at this point, it seems like it would be really believable that Lucius is growing. He's like solidifying the Death Eater school gang. And so maybe Snape is seeing like there are members of this crew. He's not in it yet, but he would like to join the crew eventually. And so what's going to happen is Lucius is going to ask for Snape's help multiple times in this season to prove his worth, to get initiated into the school's Death Eater squad. And also, we have another new Slytherin. We have Regulus Black. Sirius's younger brother will join the Slytherin house this year. So Snape and Regulus, we can imagine, might be friends because they're closer in age than Snape is with the other Death Eaters at school. And Lucius, we could even argue, and maybe he's already a Death Eater. He could be, yeah. he's his final year. And the thing with Lucius is, you know, uh, the story with Harry Potter and, and all these older people that are main players in his story but before but during the first wizarding world they were all so young and lucius was such a developed follower of voldemort he has to have a relation with voldemort by now outside of school he has to because and then he leaves school and voldemort's dead a year later but he was his most developed follower he says even you lucius when he comes back to the cemetery when he's back in his full form so i feel like lucius has to have a relationship so maybe we open the season where he becomes a death eater from Voldemort, Voldemort gives him his tattoo, his Death Eater tattoo, and something that he's hiding at school. Okay, so this is how we do it. We, for, we forgot to talk about Narcissa Black. So Narcissa Black is a year behind Lucius, so she's just uh, sixth year in this, in this season, but she's heavily involved in the first season. So with Sirius Black's opening with the Black household, we could get Lucius visiting Narcissa. Oh, they're dating, yeah, they're at dating. Home. They're dating, yeah. They're dating by now. We can get him visiting. Maybe we were, we, he, this is where um, Sirius learns that Lucius has finally been welcomed into the real Death Eaters. Ooh, I like that. And also, we can get to see we get to see Bellatrix Lestrange. So Bellatrix Lestrange is older than all of the of, than the Blacks and Malfoys. Um, she gra- she graduated Hogwarts in '69, two years before the Marauders get there. So we can show that um, she, we can show Bellatrix in the second season opening for Sirius Black, and then Sirius Black is the has the opposite reaction to his brother Regulus. Regulus thinks this is exciting. And Sirius wants to get out of there. So that's could be the main motivation for for Sirius running away to the Potter's Oh, house. what a great opening to season two. You're listening to Warner Brothers. Season two <laughs> opening with Lucius being initiated into the Death Eaters by Voldemort himself yes. with Narcissa there, with Bella there, and with Sirius and Regulus watching mm-hmm. in the and then behind, the mouth, then behind the, closed doors like through a keyhole. And the black parents. So oh, man. Uh, Sirius and other Death Eaters. Yeah. Dude, that like would his, be like um Sirius's mom would be like thrilled about it. That's awesome. And hope that and you could have seen where Sirius's mom and dad would be like, hopefully Narcissa will be welcomed as a Death Eater soon. That. <laughs> That's awesome. So then now, now yeah, because Lucius has to be a Death Eater. Yeah. He ha- he's old he's enough. At Hogwarts. He's 17. He's old enough. He has to yeah. be. But the thing with Lucius is he's great at keeping secrets, and he's going to be secretly the main antagonist at Hogwarts, and he's going to get up to no good. But he never gets caught, and he's good at covering his tracks. That's why he graduate graduates as he's a prefect. I'm sure he might have been head boy, possibly. I'm not sure about head boy, but Maybe prefect. Not. He was a prefect, yeah. but he was graduated uh, high in his class for sure. 
So he's going to cover his tracks really well. He never gets caught for the mischief and mayhem he causes at Hogwarts in season two. And by now, so the Marauders are a crew now. So when James, Sirius, Remus, and Peter arrive at Hogwarts, it's kind of like after Sorcerer's Stone, this is a crew. So these, this is a foursome. They're all close friends. And this is when, as opposed to season one, when it, they were split, split into two pairs, now they're always a foursome. They're always together. They're always doing things together. And this is when they start sneaking around as uh, a group of four with Lily probably in and out as well. And we're going to have a main mystery for season two where Lucius is in search for a dark artifact for Lord Voldemort, which is hidden somewhere at Hogwarts. And it's going to be similar to like the Harry Potter games where Lucius throughout the course of the season is trying to discover the location of this dark artifact going through the mysteries of Hogwarts. It's going to be pretty cool because he has advanced magical abilities at this point as a final year at Hogwarts. Trials, tribulations, secret things. Just like think of Hogwarts Legacy or the other Hogwarts games where discovering these chambers and having to do these tests to gain access to this artifact or discover where it is. And this is where Lucius is going to seek Snape's help because Snape is a brilliant mind with potions and with spells and charms. So Lucius, I would say is a less powerful wizard than Snape ever was. And Snape is only yeah. year two, but he's that advanced. Exactly. Snape was a genius uh, kid, student. So Lucius is going to be seeking Snape's help, and this will be Snape's initiation into the Death Eaters to prove himself. But also we're going to get this back and forth with Snape and Lily. Lily and the other Gryffindors and students are beginning to hear rumblings of Death Eaters at school, and Lily is going to be put off by her best friend Snape hanging out with these people and spending a lot of time with them, thinking that he wants to join and so Snape is going to be divided between two worlds, um, the dark and the light. Lily's the light, and then Lucius and the, and the Death Eaters are the dark. So he's going to be pulled in both directions, but he's going to, through his victimization, being a bully, and then struggling to fit in with anyone desperate for a group, he's going to end up siding with Lucius out of desperation to become a Death Eater and join this something uh, like a greater cause. So Lucius is going to use Snape for help finding this artifact. So... We wanted to tie it to Slytherin, and we wanted it to be an artifact that was different from anything we've seen in the books. So we came up with this idea of this powerful magical object being Salazar Slytherin's dagger. No, Merlin's Merlin, dagger. I mean Merlin's dagger. Yeah. And so Merlin's dagger is hidden somewhere outside of the Hogwarts grounds, and Lucius is just trying to find it. And the Marauders, because they're always suspicious of Slytherins, are eventually going to hear rumblings and whispers and be suspicious of what's going on. What are these Slytherin kids always doing? What's Snape up to? But also things are happening at school where yeah. the politics of the time are anti-Muggle-born witches and wizards. That's the main politics discrimination. So we can have attacks being ordered out on Muggle-born students at Hogwarts that the Marauders are trying to figure out what's happening to these kids. They're not getting killed, but maybe serious things are happening to them. You can imagine that the, the real Death Eaters have told Lucius to do some crazy stuff to students at Hogwarts. Yeah, prove yourself, yeah. basically. And begin the cause for Dark Wizards to grow grow interest in this. So it's similar to when Draco gets the mission from Voldemort to kill Dumbledore in Half-Blood Prince, which he can't do. He's given Lucius a mission to find this hidden dagger of magical properties that will make him invincible. And we imagine this dagger, has, it's so powerful that it would be like an uh, unimaginable powerful force for Voldemort to take on, which would make his army... And defensible, uh, undefeatable by Dumbledore and his gang. So the stakes are really high. So Voldemort's not involved. Lucius is doing this as a ploy to gain Voldemort's favor. 
So he's, it's not like Voldemort's like, there's a magical object hidden there, find it for me. Lucius has taken it upon himself to, as a way to prove himself to the other Death Eaters and to prove himself as a loyal servant to Voldemort. I'm going to find this dagger. Maybe Lucius discovers it um, in a book, in research, or maybe there's a story about it that a teacher tells to the students in the class about this famous dagger. And then Lucius is like, I'm going to find this. I'm going to bring it to Voldemort. He's going to make me his most loyal servant, his number two. So that's the motivation. So Voldemort's not the villain, but the stakes are Voldemort eventually getting this weapon from Lucius. And the finale basically is going to be the dagger is actually in the Forbidden Forest in a cave. It's got spiders. It's got Inferi. We have a battle between the Marauders and Lily versus the Death Eaters. Snape's around there, but he doesn't want to choose sides yet. But he's also helped Lucius get to this point, basically, so he's a main player. But this big finale of these two gangs going against each other in a cave in the Forbidden Forest, it's going to be epic. Sign me up, man. And also, Lucius gets out of there, too, and they cover his tracks for him to get out clean, basically, of nothing, like, not getting into trouble. Exactly. So, there will be, inquiries will be made. Other Death Eater students will get in trouble and get expelled, but Lucius... Covered his tracks. He never. He's the kind of villain that never gets caught, never gets in trouble. And they don't rat on him. And they don't rat on him, exactly. They prove their loyalty. So Lucius gets off scot-free, but there could be a cool conversation between Dumbledore and Lucius. Lucius is done with school, and there could be like kind of like a warning Dumbledore gives Lucius. And Lucius, can, there, there can be talk about Voldemort. And there could be an epic final conversation between the two of them in the finale episode after the events, after the climax during the resolution stage of the story. After graduation. Exactly, yeah. where Dumbledore confronts Lucius, and it could be a great back and forth, reminiscent of the back and forth at the end of Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, and I feel like season two, we should have some fun stuff with the Marauders and Lily, like doing things like taking Polyjuice Potion to try to figure out some secrets or some oh, mysteries, yeah. as well as the boys almost become anime guy. Maybe they can like transform an arm or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, there could be a funny <laughs> sequence for but sure. But they, they can't do it yet, so eventually... They'll become anime guy going to season three. And also going to classes, charms, potions, um, defense against dark arts, history. So we can have a lot of fun. Herbology. Quidditch. Quidditch. All the normal stuff. Exactly. So we get all the beats that you want in a school year at Hogwarts. Now season three is things really start to get cooking because we have three main events that we're putting into season three for the Marauders that technically don't happen in year three, but we're speeding it up. This is our show. <laughs> it's our show. We can do everyone. So season three, obviously opening very similar to the other ones, but this is also the season that the boys officially become anime guy so that they can accompany Lupin on his transformations as a werewolf in the Shrieking Shack. But then also season three, they get to start going to Hogsmeade, which will relate to our big mystery of this season. Now, the openings are going to be pretty similar to the other seasons with the kids at home preparing for Hogwarts. However, we had this really interesting idea. So they, the crew made the Marauders map in, in their fourth year, but we sped it up to, thr to thir third year just to get the ball rolling. And so there's a reason why they created the map, and it's because they caught, caught doing something nefarious. So our idea is the kids, they're doing pretty well sneaking about the castle without getting into trouble. However, during this outing at Hogsmeade, they go to Hogsmeade one night using the cloak, they sneak into the hog's head, steal some butterbeer, steal some food, and they start eating and drinking in an alleyway in Hogsmeade. Then they hear the rumblings of something going on. So what's happening is our villain for season three is a dark wizard spirit. 
witch. The dark witch's spirit, which is trying to come back to life in full force through the use of a horcrux reminiscent of Sorcerer's Stone with um, Professor Quirrell and Voldemort. So we have this idea of there's a shopkeeper at Hogsmeade, and she's been possessed by the soul of a dark witch. So the dark witch... Well, she so it's a shopkeeper. She'll be like a main player in like yes. the first nighter at school or something like yeah. that. And she gets this new artifact, but she I'm sells gonna, trinkets and items. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't realize or she doesn't know that this artifact is actually a Horcrux with the spirit and the soul, part of the soul, or maybe the whole soul of this witch. The that last died. remaining bit of the soul, the, the yeah. soul of this witch who died years before. We can assume that this witch only made one Horcrux, and it's not Voldemort's Horcrux, obviously. So. It survived, but waiting for uh, a host to come around and, and touch the the artifact. And so for the shopkeeper, for the shopkeeper keeper, she gets these little trinkets shipped to her so that she can sell in her shop. This is one of those trinkets, and then she opens the trinket inadvertently, unknowing what the Horcrux was. And when this happens, the dark witch begins possessing her, and there'll be this big sequence of her trying to fight the dark spirit. But the dark witch spirit eventually takes over, but it will cause damage. Maybe wreck a nearby shop. Some amount of destruction. This causing a lot of noise and ruckus. The boys run over to see what's going on. By the end of this, the dark witch will have fully possessed the shopkeeper. And run away from the situation. And then leaving the boys there to see this the destruction in front of them. Then also nearby adults at Hogsmeade and different shops and bars run over to see what's going on. And they find four kids with a destroyed shop. So obviously they think that the kids did this. This is gonna get the kids in trouble. So the kids will be like, it was this woman, the shopkeeper, she destroyed it, we saw it all. They'll go to inquire the shopkeeper, but the shopkeeper now fully possessed by the dark witch, plays innocent, oh, I was asleep in bed. They're gonna believe her over four kids who are out of bed in Hogsmeade when they should be in the dormitories at Hogwarts. So the kids are gonna get in big trouble. And even though Dumbledore's like, you guys didn't blow up this shop. He knows they didn't do it. y'all doing there right yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you at Hogsmeade? <laughs> so luckily, Dumbledore, knowing that they didn't really do it, does he doesn't expel them. He gives them a month's detention each. However, this motivates the boys to di- to try and come up with some kind of invention for them to be able to move around the castle and the grounds without anybody knowing near, without anybody sneaking up on them. No prefects, no professors, no no other adults in Hogsmeade. That way, they can avoid being seen. So this is going to be the cause. And motivation for them to create the Marauder's Map. Now, the Marauder's Map is one of the best artifacts in the Wizarding World. So the boys will invent and create the Marauder's Map. And it's a map. Lily, I think, should give them the idea for how it's created. So tell us how it was created. So this map was created using a homunculus charm. Enabling the, the, the possessor of the map to track the movements of every person in the castle. And it was also enchanted to forever repel the curiosity of their nemesis, Severus Snape. Now... There are theories of how they also created it in terms of this artifact called the Quill of Acceptance. Now, every time somebody is born with magical abilities in the Wizarding World, every school has their own way of detecting this. So Hogwarts has this Quill of Acceptance, which makes a note of every witch or wizard that's born with magical abilities. This is how Hogwarts knows who's born as a witch or wizard to send them their letters. Now, Professor McGonagall is in control and possession of the Quill of Acceptance, so... They will have to defeat McGonagall's charms and spells and everything to get it. So we figured we'll make an entire episode of a heist of 
the Quill of Acceptance. So think of like an Oceans movie, <laughs> except it's the Marauders stealing the Quill of Acceptance. That sounds awesome. It would be great. <laughs> and also, I think it's Lily should give them the, the idea. She's like, oh, with that Quill, you could make something that could keep track of every Witcher wizard in the area. So I think Lily should give them the idea. And then they're like, oh, okay, let's do this. Something like this that. This is how yeah. we can make a map. But like a heist episode, and like maybe McGonagall has it secretly guarded by all sorts of trials and, and magical things that yes. they have to defeat. Yeah. Like, that'd be so epic. I love it. And they have, to like re- they have to replace it with, like, a fake quilt. <laughs> and maybe it takes them a few episodes to finally get the map finished. Um, and then it'll probably be completed by, like, mid-season. But also, so this Dark Spirit Witch is our main antagonist, but we think that it would be interesting to have a, a rival student helping or aiding her in some way. So we think it's obvious to have Regulus Black as the main Slytherin antagonist. So Regulus is desperate to become a Death Eater. He loves the idea. He's He wants De- Voldemort's acceptance. So we think that now that Lucius is gone, Regulus could kind of take up the reins of some leadership possibilities within the school Death Eater squad. So we think that he could eventually figure out what's going on with this Dark Witch. And maybe... The Dark Witch needs something that's in the room of requirement in order to come back to full life and full strength so she doesn't have to possess a body anymore. So Regulus could be on his own, sneaking about, trying to find the room of requirement, and then when he does find it, trying to find this trinket, artifact, whatever this object is that the Dark Spirit needs. And I think that Lily and Snape are going to help solve the mystery with the boys. You know, Snape begrudgingly will be assisting the boys in the final couple episodes of defeating this evil old witch with Lily who wants to solve the mystery because this witch is causing mayhem. There's something keeping her at Hogsmeade. She's not Hogsmeade. She's not at full strength. That's why she's using Regulus, a student at Hogwarts, to get whatever she needs to in order to be free of this area or something like and that. And we think it would be an interesting idea where since no one believed them about the the possessed witch... The boys take Lily, who think they're lying, to prove it to her about the witch. So they, they'll sneak, using the Marauder's map in the cloak, they'll sneak into Hogsmeade and confront the shopkeeper, the, the possessed shopkeeper. And then they'll be in over their heads, and they'll nearly be defeated by this dark spirit. We can have like a magical dungeon that they have to get out yeah, of. Yeah, it'll be interesting, like a basement. And then what would be really great to have a reference and a tie-in to Lupin which Prisoner of Azkaban, which is a way that they escape the Dark Witch, would be Lupin pulling out a really powerful Patronus charm, which would maybe blind the spirit, because it's not a person yet. It's still a, possess- it's still a spirit that's possessing. So it makes sense that the a strong Patronus charm, like battling off Dementor- Dementors, could affect the Dark Spirit. And it ties to Lupin and Azkaban teaching Harry the Patronus charm. So maybe Lupin... As a second year, knows the Patronus, which is very rare. We're in third year, dude. Third year, sorry. Which is why he's he's so good at teaching Harry in the in the third film. So he could use the Patronus charm, help the kids get away. And so after that, maybe during this confrontation, they learned who the Dark Spirit was. It, it told them who it was in menacingly fashion with a monologue. Or Lily figures it out in the Lily library. Fi- yeah, Lily figures it out. Well, we, our idea is that Lily, after learning who the witch is, figures out what the witch is after. Yeah, that's right, what that's it is, it. because the, the witch was known for something. And so they figure out, oh, the witch is after this. Where can we find this? But this cool confrontation, Lily believes them after this, and now she's part of the, of the gang solving the mystery. And Lily and Snape are going to have a lot more of a storyline developing where 
they're now accepted and invited into the Slug Club. So Slughorn's going to have a main role in Season 3. Lily and, and Snape will go there regularly to the Slug Club meetings and maybe even go to the Slug Club dance together, the ball. What's he call it? The I can't remember. Yeah, something. Slug, the Slug Party. Yeah, the Slug <laughs> Party, isn't it? I can't remember. Yeah. And also, we can have where Lily makes the bowl with the lily for Slughorn on his desk for him to find. Maybe Slughorn's dealing with some kind of difficult situation personally. Yeah, maybe. And so Lily yeah. does that to, to cheer him up. And also, Snape at this point can't hold in his feelings for Lily anymore and wants to reveal his feelings for her somehow to tell her how he feels. And we figured he's going to try to make something for her or, or some way show her how he feels, but the boys spoil it and ruin it and make yes. fun of him for it. And he never eventually, he never does get to reveal his true feelings for Lily ever. Yeah, unfortunately, Lily never knew how much he loved her, but we could show that love with Snape's actions and his desires. But and, then the boys ruining it. Yeah, and this season, Lily's the hero at the end where she figures out how to defeat that evil spirit. They failed their first time, but their final time, they'll have the four of them as well as Lily and Snape will all go and defeat this witch this evil witch wizard witch spirit and she knows the ritual that they have to do to stop it it's like and, very buffy the vampire slayer yeah it, it also regulus will never be found out as someone who was helping the dark spirit he'll keep it to himself because otherwise he would get expelled so he needs to be he needs to get away from the situation scot-free yeah i think it's a cool season that sounds awesome <laughs> then dumbledore Maybe exploring more with the with the Deathly Hollows, what's going on with that? And yeah. Again, showing more of the rise of Voldemort through the Daily Prophet and things that are happening in the Wizarding World. We could explore the Death Eater circles with Lucius as an adult outside of school. Yeah, maybe Lucius stays on yes. as a as a main character and a main cross cutting character. Yeah, in, in I think so because we can learn more through his eyes since he rose to the ranks very quickly. And also, Narcissa Black will be in her final year at this term in Hogwarts, so she could be. In a way, a leader, a leader of the Slytherins in school. Yeah. Yeah, because we got to get more Slytherins going on. we got to get more Death Eater stuff going on. And yeah. I think keeping Lucius around would be good to see what he's doing outside of school. Through his eyes, because we saw him for two seasons. Now in the third season, we know him well. So we can just follow him and see the world of the Death Eaters from his perspective. Yeah, people starting to disappear, things going on that yeah. are weird. Maybe weird, they have initiations. Events. Yeah. In him getting the tattoo, maybe we can finally see him getting the tattoo, the mark. Maybe, yeah. The dark mark. No, we should do that season season, season two. two opening yeah, the opening of season two. Yeah, remember? He shows his dark mark. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Voldemort that's gives him the tattoo. You're right. yeah, 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 you're right. He's yeah. like, hey, let me ink you up, bro. <laughs> hold still, hold still. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Maybe the dark mark is the opening of season three somewhere over someone's yeah. house. Yeah. So Narcissa will have to play a major role as an antagonist but to the crew. Was yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's season three, man. Awesome, awesome stuff. So that's three seasons of our show, The Marauders. I really I, like it. I like it too. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. And maybe season three, they also discover the room of requirement. Yeah, and then there's things later on in the later seasons that we can get to. Obviously, uh, Remus Lupin becomes a prefect. Mundungus Fletcher is banned from the Bog's Head. From the Hog's Head. Uh, oh, also in season three, the the kids will perfect becoming anime guy. We forgot to mention that. So season oh, yeah. three, they'll perfect that, and that will actually. No, come, we already talked about that. That will come into play with them solving uh, the mystery and defeating the witch. Would would be them becoming anime guy, and maybe Lily isn't aware until they all turn. She's like, "What the hell." That could be a fun sequence during the final climactic moment. Then also, 
in season five, Gilderoy Lockhart will be a new student at Hogwarts. He could be just as snuffy and full of himself as he is, and he could be just like a fun comedic segment for many episodes of that season. Um, Sirius will leave his family officially in season six and just live full time with the Potters. So that will be a great opening sequence for season six. We could even bump that up to season yeah, five. Yeah, we can move that up. Um, Sirius sees Bellatrix for the last time in season six. Well, this, it's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, this is when um, Bellatrix will be put into Azkaban not long after this. Late, no, no, yeah, this yeah. is when he leaves home. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This is the last time he sees her mm -hmm. until he, she kills him. A dramatic part of season six will be James Potter horribly humiliating Snape doing the Levy Corpus spell and embarrassing him in front of everybody, which will lead to Snape angrily calling Lily a mudblood, severing their friendship forever. Uh, season six, season seven, there's actually a fun story. Can you tell us about Remus, so, about so, uh, Sirius and James? Yeah, there's this little short story about James and Sirius. They, we can assume they get up to no good together outside of school as well in the summer breaks. And Sirius has his motorcycle and they get chased by a couple of muggle police officers. But then they also get attacked by what we can assume could be Death Eaters. We could create Death Eaters. So we can make outside of school, James and Sirius... They're starting to like join crews of like stopping Death Eaters. We can assume so. Maybe there's a rivalry. Going I also on. think Hagrid should have a great connection with them because Sirius actually gives Hagrid his motorcycle not long after these events. True. So yeah. I think Sirius and Hagrid should have a really close friendship and like they a party, bonding. They party they, together. Yeah, like they get along a lot. <laughs> they and, go to Rolling Stones concerts together. Exactly. So. <laughs> Not Hagrid. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> so I think it's uh, important to get Hagrid in there for these later years and having a very close bond with James and, and Sirius, but mostly Sirius because Sirius left him his motorcycle. Yeah. Um, he didn't let, leave it. He let him borrow let it, him to, borrow to, it get, yeah. to deliver Harry and then, to yeah, yeah. Yes, it, on, in Uncle's house. Well, no, he, 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 like, he left it to Hagrid, but when he was sent to Azkaban... No, no, no. Hagrid had no, no, no. So Hagrid bumped into Sirius with his motorcycle when they discovered that the Potters were attacked. Then Sirius let him borrow his yes, his yes. motorcycle because that's it. Yeah, that's it. To go, but, yeah, yeah. You're right. But they should have a. They should still have a close bond. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, season seven. Also, we have James and Lily become head boy and head girl. They also start dating. We can have like some cameos with great characters like Newt Scamander come in as well. Uh, Lily and James. Then season, the finale season, the final season, Lily and James are married. Regulus dying in the sea cave. Then I think the show should end with Order of the Phoenix being photographed. It's great. It's good stuff, man. I love it. I, I want to watch it. But then we got to get stuff with like Barty Crouch Jr. in there. Regulus Black as his rise to being a, a well-ranked Death Eater at school and outside of school as well. Getting up to no good. Yeah, they, also... would, they would become villains in later seasons for sure. But to be close with Voldemort to know his secret, like he, he would have had to discover him. So maybe... Around his last year at school, or, or the kids' last year at school, Regulus is starting to change allegiances. And we could even have, you know, a villainous defense against the Dark Arts teacher, who is trying to help the Death Eaters oh, yeah, in their cause. Sure. That yeah. would be an interesting idea. Also, we could get Mad-Eye Moody in a season, for sure. That would be fun to see. So, I mean, there's so much room for throwing in things that we love from the Potter series into the Marauder series. There's a lot of mining of, of canon we can do as well as making shit up, which should be fun. But that basically, it's like wraps our, our show, right? I, I mean, I want to watch this, honestly. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. I mean, is there anything else? No, that's, I think that's all we got, honestly. Like, um, but the, 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 the... Oh, Sirius Black is a ladies' man. Yeah. <laughs> and so Sirius Black will always be dating like a new girl every year. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he's described yeah. as in the book is popular with the girls. Yeah. So you got to have that in there. 
<laughs> he's always snogging somebody. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got the locks, man. He's got the hair and everything mm-hmm. and the charm. So he's like the more immature, charming one, but very loyal. And then James is the arrogant one. Yeah. But they they both prize loyalty above anything else in friendship. But yeah, that's our show. So Warner Brothers. Let us know if you want us to like, show run a if you want to ma- if you want to make the most popular show in the history of television, just give us like a hundred million a year. It sounds we'll, pretty fire. We'll do it. I mean, come oh, on. We, we forgot to mention that the last episode will end with Dumbledore having the cloak. As yeah, well. yeah. Well, no, he doesn't get the cloak till later in nineteen eighty. Eighty. No, the, the end. It ends the the you're photo right. of the yeah. Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. So yeah. just Dumbledore will be there. Yeah. yeah. He'll be like, what's up? You're moving on. <laughs> it's when they go into hiding, he gives them the cloak. That's right, that's right, that's right. All right, that wraps our fan fiction called The Marauders, a TV series outlined and written by Raiders of Lost Podcast. Warner Brothers, if you're listening, please give us $100 million and we can make this We can make this epic show. You won't be disappointed. We won't be. <laughs> it's going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Leave those five-star ratings on Apple and Spotify as well as... You can share this with all of your friends and family members who love Harry Potter, who love movies. Let them know that there's this incredible fan fiction that we came up with. We'd appreciate it so much. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen, our Chosen One patrons, are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.